You are listening to WHUP LP Hillsborough. My name is Gilbert Neal. This is D-Sides Orphans and Oddities. Today's show features lots of songs that were released before the versions that were released that you know. So all of these songs will hopefully be familiar to you. They span the early days of rock and roll right up to the 80s, the mid-80s around there, which is where I cut off. I saw a protester in the street holding a sign, and I was thinking, you know, first of all, do you know what it's like to be poor? Do you know what it's like to literally not know where your next meal is coming from? I do. I, I do know what that's like, to not know where the food is going to come from. I think that having a little time in poverty might be a good prerequisite for people who are running for public office. Can you imagine how nice it would be to have a president or a vice president or a congressman or a senator, and some, of, some, some people do, where they have experienced what it's like to be desperate. Your car messes up, it's 1980, 85, and there's no, there's no Uber, there's no nothing like that. And your car breaks down and you don't have any resources and you've got to get to your job. Do you know what that's like? Let me tell you a little story. I was home. It was around 1982. And I had just graduated from high school and I was spending my summer hanging out with a guy named Rick. And Rick and I don't talk anymore because he's a Trump fan. So that tells you a little about me. But that day, Rick and I were hanging out. Maybe he was playing my friend Paul's drums. We were writing songs or playing Eagle songs or whatever. We went downstairs and we were about to go somewhere else. And my mother comes into the door crying. Because she doesn't know what she's going to do for food. Because she just lost her job. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. It's not like you can call a friend or she has a big bank account or there's any money that her, her husband left her. No. She literally has nothing. Nothing. And the heat bill is due. And she's got to feed these two little kids. I think it was earlier than 1982, actually. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. And she's an old lady. She had me late. She's got gray hair and she's fat. And she's. There's no internet to look up jobs you might want or Indeed or Wikipedia or any anything like that. And I think that that's a prerequisite for people to be in public office. That you have to know what it's like to not have any options, to be desperate, to be sad and feel like a failure. You're not a failure, but you're, you feel like a failure. That's what poor people feel like, a failure. 
And if you felt like that and you were elected to public office, can you imagine how much better it would be to have that, that feeling of knowing what it's like? Not, not talking about, oh, you're, you're, you're poor and I care about you and I'm, I'm sympathetic and all that stuff. That's fine. That's great. But to know what it's like to not have any options and you've got kids and you get a car that doesn't run anymore. I think, if I may, and I may lose my show for saying this, but it really bothers me. Women and black people are in a class of people that can be identified on site as being perceived by white people as lower than, worse than less capable than and it's been in this country for it's in the constitution it had to be amended to have women vote to have black people vote to be to have black people be people and it's been this way for almost 300 years and we expect it to change now it drives me nuts because the only difference is class we are of a lower class people, according to the people who make the laws, most of them, not all of them. One of them, who's going to be president someday, was a waitress. She knows what it's like. You've got to know what it's like. You can't just say you empathize or sympathize or whatever. You have to have been there. Anyway, I wrote a song and a single release. I don't think it did very well, and I don't think it sold many copies, but I'm really proud of it. Me and Daryl worked really hard on it. It's called Claudius, and Claudius um, is about uh, parallels between the ancient Romans and what's happening now. But I just want to say I don't, think it's, I don't think it's color so much as it's people being identified by color as being less than. Ask Mitch McConnell, how much is a quart of milk? How much does it cost to get your alternator repaired? Over and over and over again, because your car stinks. I know what it's like, and I would be a lousy congressman. I'm just saying. The thing about black people and the thing about women is that these haughty people who have never suffered a day in their life Look at them and subconsciously or consciously say they are less than me. We're trying. People are trying. But it's not, it's going to keep happening over and over and over again until there's a revolution of some sort. Grimaces and lacks a little style. Claudius' suit, mask 
feeling and cute But Nero brought his off the rack and thinks he's a recruit Claudia shook a hand, grooving to a band Nero reads the manual but doesn't understand Claudia's comeback, you knew what you were doing
that was me and Daryl. Uh, it's under the name Gilbert Neal. You can check it out at uh, iTunes and um, Wampus.com, and you can buy it if you want to. Uh, I don't think it's sold much, but I'm really, I'm really happy with it. Anyway, so I watched this Harvey Weinstein thing again, or this this Harvey Weinstein thing. No, no, no. Sorry, no. Who's that other dude? That that a friend of Trump's. What's his name? Um. The 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 um the billionaire lived in uh, Palm Springs. What was his name? Watching this, you know, when the thought came to me, all the women that he he did this with, and all the women that Harvey Weinstein did it with, and all the women that Trump did it with, and all the women that everybody did with, they walk around for the rest of their lives with their heads heads a little tilted down, like black people every single day, reminded, you're not as good as you're not as as as, as you don't belong here. Even though we say they do, we say they do, we say they do, the Constitution said originally they don't. And their heads hang a little low. And you walk around like that all the rest of your life because there's nothing you can do to change it. You were desperate for money. You had no recourse. Your parents abused. Oh, I just can't, can't go on. What is his name? Can't even think. Someone's going to call after, after Bob kicks me off of the air forever. <laughs> Um, someone will tell me the name. I'll go home and watch it. But it's 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 sad. There's a bunch of people walking around with their heads hung low because they were told they're not as good as. But they are as good as. And we're trying to point that out in different ways. Anyway, this first song you heard, if you're if you're driving around Buffalo, New York now. Even though this song was, was released like 40 years ago, you hear it now on classic rock because Buffalo loves classic rock. So anyway, you'll be hearing, you'll, you could hear the original version probably every day. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's an older demographic and people like it and stuff, and I don't know. I haven't been back there in a while. But anyway, this is the original version of a song that Steve Miller made into a giant hit in, I think, 74, 75. It's, um, it's, uh... The start of a, a pretty good um, concept, I think. Where the wind 
Quite as good as I could have Maybe I didn't love you As often as I should have Little things I should have said and done But I never took the time
So this is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities on WHUPFM.org. My name is Gilbert Neal, and you can hear a repository of my programs that I am populating as we speak on dsides.podbean.com. That was Bo Williams, a gospel singer from 1984 with C'est La Vie, which was pretty faithfully recreated by Robbie Neville a couple of years later and reached number two on the American chart. Before that, B.J. Thomas with Always On My Mind. It was the first recording of that song. And it was made famous later on by Elvis Presley and, of course, won a Grammy for Willie Nelson. But B.J. Thomas's version comes from 1970. Barry Mann, who co-wrote Don't Know Much, as you know, that was a big hit for Linda Rotstant and Aaron Neville. But I like Barry Mann's version better. I, I think it's more plain and simple and nice. And generally, when something is plain and general and nice in its original form, it tends to be a little bit better. Before that, Diane and Anita with a very obscure version, but the first version of Groovy Kind of Love, which was made famous by the Mindbenders and written by Graham... Something. He was in 10 CC. And I knew it when I came here. And before that, Paul Pena with Jet Airliner, the original version from 1973, which was released in 77 by Steve Miller Band and became a big hit. I mentioned the fact that I've been populating my Podbean and iTunes with my old shows because I have noticed and it took me five years to notice that I spend a lot of time going um er and ah so I have made a conscious decision to take these little utterances out of my lexicon for you and I may sound like some sort of operator or intercom voice, but I'm going to try to be more natural in the future. That is, if Bob lets me do another show after the way I started this one. And his name is Jeffrey Epstein, and I suggest that you watch it if you have Netflix. It'll make you feel sick. It'll make you feel bad. But it may explain why people do the things they do and how they get away with them. So I'm going to present to you now some other original recordings of songs that have become famous subsequently. And I cannot imagine what it's like to write a song, have B.J. Thomas come in, give it a whirl, put it away, and then Elvis decides he's going to record it. And then a few years later, Willie Nelson decides he's going to record it. And magic. So let's see what happens with this next set of songs. Mm-hmm. 
Madman, drummers, bombers, and Indians in the summer with a teenage diplomat. In the dumps with the mumps as the adolescent pumps his way into his hat. With a boulder on my shoulder, feeling kind of older, I trip the merry-go-round. With this very unpleasing sneezing and wheezing, the calliope crashed to the ground. Shot, save the bus shot, turn up the van Now she was blinded by the light Oh, cut loose like a deuce Another runner in the night Blinded by the light She got down, but she never got tight But she'll make it all right So 
On a warm summer's evening On a train bound for nowhere I met up with a gambler We were both too tired to sleep So we took turns to stare Out the window at the darkness Till boredom overtook us And he commenced to speak He said, son, I made a life Out of reading people's faces And knowing what their cards were By the way they held their eyes And if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow And he bummed a cigarette then he bummed a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression He said, if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right Now you gotta know when to hold Know when to fold Know when to walk away Know when to run And you never count your money when you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing is done He said every gambler knows That the secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away And knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner like ever hands are losing And the best that you can hope for Is to die in your sleep When he'd finished speaking He turned back toward the window Crushed out his cigarette Faded off to sleep Somewhere's in the darkness A gambler he broke even but in his final words I found an ace that I could keep Now you gotta know when to hold Know when to fold Know when to walk away Know when to run Yeah, never count your money But when you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You gotta know
This is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. My name is Gilbert Neal on WHUPFM.org. There was Bruce Woolley who co-wrote and recorded Video Killed the Radio Star before the Buggles, who he co-wrote with that song. Lightning in a pen. It must have been wonderful. And as you know, if you are a certain age, you know that that was the first song that MTV ever played, the first video that MTV ever played, and it was appropriate. And his version did not stray too far from the version that we all know and loathe. Trevor Horn and Jeff Downs, the guys in the Buggles, went on to join Yes, replacing John Anderson and Rick Wakeman, and gosh, I saw them at War Memorial Auditorium in Buffalo, New York, when they toured for the drama album, which I did not buy, did not like, and still don't think is really yes. But I went because it was in the round, and it was neat, and I loved the brand. Trevor Horn produced Godly and Cream's greatest hits, Smush, I call it because very few bands, very few artists other than Godly and Cream celebrated their own mythology as much as they did. So they put out kind of a greatest hits album when they came out with the video for Cry, which you may remember is the one where all the faces kind of go into one another. And Godly and Cream were great at videos. And I was a big big fan of their recorded stuff before 
they started getting into videos and Trevor Horn helped them to smush together this sort of weird greatest hits album with cry on it. And I'm not going to say dance mix of their hits or their almost hits or the things they did with 10 CC with Graham Gouldman, whose name I just remembered and Eric Stewart, who did an album with Paul McCartney and played a couple of sessions. He did press to play with Paul McCartney. He played a vital role in that which is good or bad, depending on how you feel about that. And then Jeff Downs joined Asia with Steve Howe, who was at Yes, Carl Palmer, who was the drummer for Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and John Wetton, who was a world-class bass guitar player, fantastic with King Crimson. He played with Uriah Heep. He played with Roxy Music, and then he collected his 30 pieces of silver by joining Asia, which went to number one by suppressing their prog urges to write nice little pop songs that everybody liked. And my friend Dave from Detroit, who I grew up with basically, pointed out to me one time that the album Asia, the first one, every single song is a cliche. Every title of every song on that album is like a cliche. If you look at it, heat of the moment, only time will tell. You almost think that that was sort of an exercise that they set forth for themselves to do. But their songwriting just couldn't keep up and their second album and their third album did worse and worse and worse. I saw Asia twice. I saw them in a theater called Shays in Buffalo and they were fantastic. They had just come out with the first album and we were all Prague fans waiting to see them. And we were all very excited to see Steve Howe play the clap and to hear Carl Palmer's drum solo and to hear Jeff Downs and all those keyboards, and to hear John Wetton sing The Sun Has Left Your Eyes or something. Then, a year later, then they came out with their second album, and I actually got floor seats to see them at War Memorial Auditorium, like I had seen Yes. And I actually got floor seats, so I sat in the sixth row, and it was very disappointing because John Wetton had a teleprompter in front of him, and he might have in the first show, I don't know. But it was very disappointing. They were lethargic, and the songs on their second album just were not nearly as good, which is not which is saying a lot, because that first album, if you really pay attention to it, is not that good. I never liked Carl Palmer at all. I never liked him at all. And I'm a bass player, so I look for things like keeping time, and being reliably conscious of the way that the band grooves, but Carl Palmer never did any of that. But I'm talking about him. He's not talking about me. Before that, Bobby Bear with a great, great version of The Gambler, which Kenny Rogers made famous later in 1978. But Bobby Bear uh, recorded the first, there I go again, there I go with the um, Bobby Bear recorded the first version, and I like it. Before that, Bruce Springsteen, who wrote Blinded by the Light, 
1973. It was the first single on his first album. And I didn't like it so much because it seemed very busy to me. I'm not sure what Manfred Mann's Earth Band did, aside from whip it into pop shape and make it memorable. And that's the version we all know. In this instance, even though The Boss wrote the first one, I think the second one was better. And then Bo Williams with, I think, Say La Vie before that. We talked about that already, didn't we? Yes. So onward and inward we go with these rare versions of songs we all know. It's not very 
living all alone My friends try to tell me Find a man of my own But each time I try I just break down and cry Cause I'd rather WHUP LP Hillsboro. My name is Gilbert Neal. This is D Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. We're revisiting the original version of some of the songs that you know and love from the 70s, 80s, 60s, whatever. Inside me 
Wow. Hmm. This, uh, there I go again. That was Kelly Gordon with He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. The first version that was released in 1969, later that same year, the Hollies would have a massive hit with that same song, and they needed it. After Graham Nash had left to join Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, or Crosby, Stills, and Nash, it showed that they could stand on their own with maybe not their song, but well-chosen covers. Before that, Casey Sizek with the original version of You Light Up My Life from 1977. That was an enormous hit for Debbie Boone, whose follow-up single I have played on this show, but you don't remember it because nobody remembered it because it was not very good. But this Casey Sizek sang the version that you hear in the movie, which is also not very good. The song was written by a fella named Joe Brooks, who by all accounts was not a very nice man. He tended to think very highly of himself and consequently very low of other people. He was arrested on charges of rape and or sexually assaulting 11 women lured to his east side apartment from 2005 to 2008. Who does that sound like? His female assistant, Shawnee Lucier, was charged with helping him. Who does that sound like? She picked the victims, set up travel arrangements and reassured them. Who does that sound like? said Lisa Friel, chief of the district attorney's sex crimes unit. I'm just saying, this goes on and on and on. It repeats and repeats and repeats. Some people will be stopped. Some people will be arrested. Some people will hang themselves in jail. Uh, er. But it's those who have and those who perceive people as not having less than, like I said in the beginning of the show. And this Joseph Brooks, this Joe Brooks was a perfect example of that, but he was just a, 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 pe- a pebble in a stream. <sighs> it bothers me. Before that, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis, Saving All My Love For You, the original version, which also turned into a huge hit for Whitney Houston. She won a Grammy Award for it, just like Debbie Boone won an Oscar for You Light Up My Life. So the original artists don't get any credit, but they get remembered on my show, which I don't think anyone's listening to, but I'm listening to it. And before that, Irma Franklin with Peace of My Heart from 1967 to be recorded later by Janis Joplin, who I don't like. I don't like Janis Joplin, and I'm, I'm, I don't play much of her music because I find her affect to be a little off-putting. But as a good example, I played Kelly Gordon singing He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, and you would listen to it and say, that guy does not have a great voice. It sounds sort of like Alex Harvey would, would approach the song, but it's 
from the heart. And I like that. Like we like Marilyn McCoo because all her performances are spot on and she is such a pro. So very good. This is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. My name is Gilbert Neal, and I'm playing songs that were recorded before they were made famous by other artists. Let's see what happens now. How am I doing with the um and the ah? How am I doing?
this morning the sun down was shining in. I found my broken mind in a brown paper bag, but then I tripped on a cloud, I fell eight miles high, tore my mind on a jagged sky. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. I pushed my soul in a deep dark hole and I followed it in. I met myself crawling out as I was crawling in. Then I woke up so tired I knew I'd never unwind. I saw so much man it broke my mind. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in.
What do you think of that? I think it could have used a real bass player myself. But it was still a really good song. Mike Oldfield. Who was Mike Oldfield? He scored the movie The Exorcist and wrote that famous theme song. That was such a big hit when that movie came out. Anyhow, this was his first rock song. And we heard it growing up, the Mike Oldfield version, because I loved Hall and & Oates, and that's where I heard it first. But this was the first version of that. And I looked at the credits, and I found that it was co-written by a guy named <clears throat> Rick Fenn, who made, record, made a record with Nick Mason of Pink Floyd, who made a record with Carla Blay who is my girlfriend, although we've never met, and she's about 85 years old. <clears throat> Before that, Mickey Newberry with Just Dropped In to See What Condition My Condition Was In from 1967. A big hit for Kenny Rogers and First Edition. Before that, Let Me Be Good with Good Lovin' from 1965, which got a lyric rewrite. And became a big hit and a wedding favorite for the Young Rascals. Before that, a song called Last Man Standing, which was written by Gian Piero Reverberi and Gianfranco Reverberi from the 1968 spaghetti western Django Prepare a Coffin, an unofficial prequel to the better known Django, which I did not know at all. So you recognize that music because it is the foundation for the song Crazy. Does that make me crazy? I, I can't reach those A's that he reaches, but that's the foundation from that song. It samples it, but it utilizes the part of the main melody and chord structure. I got this from Wikipedia. The original songwriters that I just mangled, their names are credited by Nurls Barkley for the song alongside their own credits. This is Gilbert Neal. Oh, one more song I played in that set. The 11th Hour, which was a group of studio disco musicians, and the first version of Lady Marmalade, which became a huge hit for LaBelle. The guy singing that song was Kenny Nolan. And Kenny Nolan had a top 10 hit in the United States, and people of a certain age will remember that it was I Like Dreamin'. I like dreamin', because dreamin' can make you mine. And I remember, remember that song very succinctly, because that was the time when I used to go to the skating rink, and they would say, all couples skate, and, well, you can imagine what happened or didn't happen in my case. This is D-Sides Orphans and Oddities. My name is Gilbert Neal. But I still get a warm feeling whenever I hear that song. I like dreaming. Do you like dreaming? One step beyond. <laughs> Thank you. 
If I listened long enough to you, I'd find a way to believe that it's all true. Knowing that you lied, straight face while I cried, still I'd look to find a reason to believe. Someone like you makes it hard to live without somebody else. Someone like you makes it easy to give. Never think of myself. If I gave you time to change my mind, I'd find a way to leave the past behind. Knowing. That you lied, straight face while I cried. Still I'd look to find a reason to believe. If I listen long enough to you. I'd find a way to believe it's all true, knowing that you lied, straight face while I cried. Still, I'd look to find a reason to believe.
shape or form are we going to reach uh the end of this show in no way shape or form are we going to reach the end of the show i program so i could do seven of these eight of these two hour shows of original versions of songs that you know So you know what that was singing? Of course you don't. That was Mutt Lang. He was in a group called Supercharge. Well, he produced them. And the song was called We Both Believe in Love in 1979. Later on, the lyrics were changed for Huey Lewis in the News as Do You Believe in Love? Mutt Lang smooched Shania Twain over and over again. Lots and lots and lots. He smooched her all night long. But before he did that, he worked with uh, Def Leppard and Huey Lewis in the news. And you can tell his very distinct sound. And his unerring 
sense of pop. That and the fact that he smooched Shania Twain and she probably let him. Before that, Slade from 1973 with Come On, Feel the Noise, recorded in one take later by Quiet Riot as a joke. They ran through it once to appease the producer, but it was too good for them to junk. So they released it, and these very angry people became rock stars. After having fought their way to the top, since 90, 1974 at least, losing their lead guitar player to Ozzy Osbourne. And male pattern baldness. Before that, Rod Stewart, you all know from The Faces and a Solo Career. And That's What Friends Are For was from the soundtrack to the movie Night Shift with Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler. An enjoyable, lighthearted comedy romp. And speaking of Rod Stewart, he had a hit with the song Reason to Believe, which was originally released in 1965 by the songwriter Tim Harden. My name is Gilbert Neal. This is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. I want to tell you about something that happened to me before, before we go. I want you to do something for me the two of you who are listening. Go to YouTube and think of Prince. Just just think of Prince. Fantastic artist, amazing dancer, singer, songwriter, all that stuff. Had some good times, had some bad times. I want you to go to YouTube and I want you to watch. Just put into the YouTube search engine live Kid Creole. Kid Creole. And you'll you'll find some performances from the United States, from Europe. Kid Creole and the Coconuts. And I've been watching their videos for the last couple of weeks. And I gotta say, either Prince was a real student of this guy, or lightning struck twice because i love it i love their songs i love the band the bass player is a woman her last name is coleman i think and she's just so tasteful and so good the whole band they're like a funk machine they did exactly what prince did later maybe not with the same pop sensibilities maybe not with the same hooks and stuff but some of those songs and those live performances choreographed perfectly the three girls who play the part of the coconuts did their own solo out their own independent album and it's good too but i don't know what happened to make these guys not as big as prince they didn't write when Dubs Cry, they didn't star in their own movies. But if you watch it, I promise you, if you watch a whole show of theirs or like a big 30-minute section of it, I promise you one thing. You'll smile. You'll love it, but you'll smile. You won't even know it. But it's so good. The choreography is so good. 
and his singing voice and his presentation is just wonderful. And I really am glad I found this. He's still around. He's still singing and he still has Kid Creole and the Coconuts. And the only song, um, well, not the only song, I think, but their big song on MTV was Endicott. And it's just so much fun. They're having fun. August Darnell is his name. And it's just so much fun. The whole presentation, they do funk and fast dancing and Latin American, South American, Caribbean. He's dressed up like Cab Calloway, for those of you of a certain age. But I just really liked it because it made me smile. You know, there were better songwriters. There were more dancey dancers, but the whole thing is put together so well. One song goes into another song, goes into another song, and there's almost no break. It's like a, it's like a musical, and I really like it. And I suggest that if you want to smile, if you want to have a good time, go back to those Kid Creole and the Coconuts live videos. They're just so good. And then watch the video they did for Endicott, which is also good fun. They obviously were not taking themselves too seriously and the band was just so talented and for whatever reason, just when you get a chance, the two of you, just check it out and you'll really like it. Anyway, I'm Gilbert Neal. This is D-Sides Orphans Nonities. I'm going to take off. I'll see you in a little bit. Thank you for listening. F. Trump.
Album release party Friday, July 15th, 8 o'clock at a bar named 106 East Main in Durham. With Marco Marisic and Ken Ray Wildman, I'm Gilbert Neal. This is D Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. I hope you come by. 1047 FM. It is 8 p.m. You're listening to 